your copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Jude, the book of Jude, kind of wrapping up uh, this little book. Um, as I told you before, that this book is probably one of the most underpreached books in the New Testament because it, it makes a lot of references to, to weird things. <laughs> uh, first, Enoch, um, maybe the assumption of, of Moses, uh, Michael, the angel of Michael and, and the devil, uh, a strong message of rebuke, um, and yet... The last two lines are, I think, are some of the most uh, poignant lines in the New Testament about the, the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the saving, sustaining grace of Jesus. Uh, so I'm going to read the end of Jude, the doxology uh, that he writes, 24 and 25, and then I'll pray, and then we'll dive in together. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do pray these things, Lord. Uh, We pray that you would continue to keep us. uh, Keep us from stumbling, to present us blameless before your presence with great joy, uh, our only Savior. We, we pray, God, that you and your kindness would, would allow us to rejoice even more in these truths, truths that we may have heard before, yet, God, I pray that our hearts would, would well up like Jude's heart when he wrote these words, that you would get all the glory from this message. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we think about this book, go back to chapter 1. That's a joke. Right? Verse 1 and 2. It says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, beloved, in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. So right there you see almost an outline of the entire book. Those who are called by His grace. So God calls us and God loves us. We are the beloved. We are the, the, the a treasure in God's sight. We who were, were, were wretches and sinners, and yet God bestows His Um, amazing love upon us. And yet, he says right there, he says that we are kept for Jesus Christ. What God begins in us by calling us and loving us, he will keep us to the end. So what Jude is here at the end of his book, he's reminding the the church that Jesus Christ will keep you. So the the title of this message is God is Able. Kind of fitting from our, our message this morning. But the first truth I want you to see is God is able to keep you. God is able. God has the power. God is mighty to keep you. You see it right there in verse 27. It says, now to him. This is a doxology, how it starts. It says, this is what we give to God. Then it says specifically why we should give God the glory, honor, and praise. Why should we crown him with majesty and glory? We, we do that. Now to him, who? 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 What does God do? He is able. That word is the same word in the Greek t- talking about uh, dynamite where we get our word dynamite, right? This is the power of God here. It's His power that does what? It keeps you from stumbling. The idea here is not just to keep you from sinning, although God can do that. It's to keep you from apostasy, keep you from walking away from Jesus. I think that's important because remember when you're reading this book, he has a lot of charges against the false teachers. And Jude is worried these false teachers are teaching things that are going to pull Christians away from the love of God, and primarily by appealing to their greed, appealing to their sexual lust, 
to draw them away from God. So even in the, the, the talk we looked at last week, it says keep yourself in the love of God. How do you keep yourself in the love of God? Well, you, you build yourself up in the most holy faith. You pray in the Holy Spirit. Um, We wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do that to keep ourselves in the love of God. Well, here's the challenge. Well, we can't be, we are kept in the love of God by by striving to keep ourselves in the love of God. The fact that you are continuing to pursue Christ is God's way of keeping you in his love. By studying his word, by gathering as his people, by singing his praises. Uh, This doctrine has, has historically been called the perseverance of the saints. Eternal security. This is a beautiful doctrine that, that is all over our lives without even realizing it. Do you know that this morning we sang the doctrine of the security of the saints? It's the third stanza of Amazing Grace. I quoted it. I tried to quote it before we, before we sang it. This morning, I don't know what it was. I didn't have a – my coherency was not all there this morning. Um, so w- w- that third stanza, through many dangerous toils and snares we have already come, was grace that's brought us safe thus far, and what? Grace will lead me home. What you're saying when you sing that is that Jesus Christ, by His grace and His grace alone, can keep me to the end. You are singing the doctrine of the security of the saints. That is a beautiful doctrine. Why? It's because when we are, are, are struggling with our sin, or we are uh, struggling with our health, and we know that our days are numbered, that we are have counted our days, and we know that one day we're going to meet the Lord. We want to know that when we close our eyes in death, we're going to be there. We're not going to be there because of our efforts. We're not going to be there because of how many times we attend the church. We're going to be there by the grace and the mercy of God Almighty. He called you, He loves you, and He will keep you. Why? He is able. He is mighty. And here's what happens. When you take that doctrine out, and you think that people could lose their salvation, what you're saying is that God can lose people. You are putting doubt on the power and and the might of God. There's a reason why, even in our text today, um, where God calls himself to Abraham, God Almighty. El Shaddai, the God of power. You can't stop that. So there's a couple of texts I want to look at, because this is a theme throughout the scriptures. And here's the, here's, the, here's the idea. We all know people in our lives who have been a part of the church community, who have been a blessing to the church community, maybe even have taught in the church community, and they've walked away from Jesus. We've seen that. We can't deny that. What the Bible would say is that those people were never truly called, they were never truly loved by God, and they were never truly kept. Because what God begins in faith, he will keep to the end. So let me just kind of walk you through some scriptures. These are scriptures you can write down. Um, uh, Romans 8, 28-32. It says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and who have been called according to His purpose. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom He predestined, He also called. These whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? Is God for us, or if God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but deliver him up over us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
And that goes on to that text I read this morning, that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Shall distress, famine, tribulation, the sword separate you from the love of Christ? By no means. We are more than conquerors in all these things. Whether no, no, nothing, I, I feel like Paul says, I am convinced that neither height nor depth, neither angels nor rulers, uh, principalities, things in the heavenly realms can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a glorious verse. And what does that mean? It means that we will be kept by the power of God. This is what I want you to see from Jesus' own words. He uses the same language. Go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. So John chapter 10. This is a great passage on the Good Shepherd. I have been thinking about Jesus as the Good Shepherd in, in my own ministry as, as a pastor. As Jesus Christ is the Good Shepherd. He is the head of the church. That uh, says that numerous places. And, and, and as a pastor, we're just under shepherds. Uh, and, and, and we want to model our ministry as pastors under the Good Shepherd. And look at what Jesus says here in um, beginning in verse, I'll start in verse 22 just for context. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you... Keep us in suspense. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You see that what, that, what he's saying here? He's saying God, Judah's saying that Jesus Christ, God, has the, has the power to keep us. He is, he is he's almighty. He is able to keep us to the end. And Jesus says, there is no one mightier than the Father. No one in this world is able to, to snatch his sheep out of his hand. Listen, if you came to God, and this is what God says to you, as his, when he calls you, he says, I want you to give me everything. Your life, all of your life is mine. We, we now belong to Jesus Christ. We are not our own. The Bible says it's the sacrifice. Pick up your cross and follow me. He who, who wants to, to save, save his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it in Christ. And, and just think what some people would say. Well, God is asking for everything, but he's not willing to give you himself. That there's really no guarantee that he's going to keep you for eternal life, even if you give him everything. Why would you come to a God like that? No, no, that's not what God says. God says, if you give me everything, if you lay your allegiance down to yourself and you give yourself to God, I will keep you. Because I love you and I called you. I called that which was dead to come become alive. I am not going to, to send you away. I'm not going to cast you out. I'm going to keep you for eternal life. Even when those days when you are living in sin... 
and you are, are guilt-ridden and you feel shame and guilt. You're not primarily trusting in your ability to walk with God or your ability to repent. You're trusting in what God has done for you in Christ and God's ability to keep you. How powerful is that? So at the end of our life, when we're, we're thinking back about that day when God is going to usher us into glory, we're not thinking about all our works, the good outweigh the bad. No, we're thinking about Jesus. We're thinking about the grace of Christ and the power that he has to keep us to the end. And one of the ways we show that, we show ourselves that we are kept, is what? It's by keeping ourselves in the love of God. By gathering together as God's people. By pursuing the word of Christ. By, by, by helping us love the brothers. There's a lot of things in the scriptures that help people diagnose whether you really are a Christian. And do you know one of, the, one of the main marks of who you are as a Christian, if you are truly a believer, is your connection to a community of faith. There's so many people in our day that say the church is not important. They think that the church will slow them down and hinder them from being a light to the world. Can I just tell you how wrong that is? So Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says to the church, you are a city on a hill. Now, you are only a city, part of that city, if you are part of the community. An individual Christian is not the light of the world. The city of, of a community is the light of the world. That's the, the design of what Jesus is saying. Right? Now, we are going out and being salt and light in, in the world, but there's something very different when we gather together as a community, when people see us in our, in our kingdom community, how we love each other, how we pray for each other, how we rejoice with each other, how we weep with each other, how we bear with each other when we are, we are sinned against. And when, when, when you're sinned against, when your first instinct is to run, and then you... You, you don't run, but you pour yourself back in the community. That is God's way of saying you're in the faith. You're, you kept yourself in the love of God. But when you are, are, are sinned against and you, you bolt and you run away, it's God showing you you may not be in faith. You may not have the real goods. Because those who, who God saves, he keeps. That's what the scripture is teaching. Plenty of other scriptures that teach this. First Peter uh, 1, 3 through 5, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10, um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, I'll read that. It says, may, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul be, and body be preserved, complete, without blame, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, faithful is he who calls you, and he will bring it to pass. He is faithful. Well, let's go back to, to Jude here. This idea that God is able... And has the power to save you. Do you see how God has the power to solve all our issues in our life? You know, God is going to provide for us. And what he has provided for us ultimately is his son and eternal salvation. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you believe in Jesus, if you trust in him, you will have everlasting life. Why? Because of the power of God in Christ. It's a beautiful doctrine. Do you know that doctrine is beautiful? <laughs> When we think about these great doctrines, sometimes they sound heady. But man, the, the perseverance of the saints is enormously beautiful. I am not saved by what I do. I am not kept by what I do. I'm kept by Christ. Because His love. Because the reality is, is if my salvation depended on me in any way, I would not be a believer. 
I know my heart. I know its desires and how its desires are always prone to wander, prone to doubt, prone to, 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 to turn it back to the world. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, it won't let me go. Because Jesus is more satisfying. First one, God has the power to save. He is able to, sorry, he is able to keep us to the end. The second one, you see that, is he's able to uh, present us before the Lord. Look at the second half of verse 24. It says, Now to him who is able to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Now think about what this is saying. Is that he's going to keep you in this life. He's going to keep you in him. He's not going to let you walk away. He's going to, he's going to convict you of sin and, and drive you back. It doesn't mean you're going to be sinless. It doesn't mean that you aren't going to have, have periods of, of when you walk away and your heart is cold. But he will ultimately keep you in him. But then he says, I will present you before the Father. Blameless. Holy. Before the glory of God with great joy that one day you and I are going to be put before God. And God is going to look at us and he's going to see the spotless righteousness of Christ. That all our sin has been dealt with. So when God looks at us, he sees a holy, blameless, and righteous person. Because we are united with Christ. We are wrapped in the riches, the righteous robes of Christ and his righteousness. That's what he's going to do. So we primarily don't, we don't trust in our own holiness. Because here's what, what happens when you're a Christian. The more you grow in Christ, you sin less. But you are aware of the, the sin in your life more. So the, the more you grow in Christ, you may be holier, but you don't feel holier. Because you're more aware of your sin. So the closer you get to, to, to the mirror, right, you notice a lot more blemishes. And that's what happens when we, when we, come to, we grow in Christ. We get closer and closer to Him. Right? We see Him for who He really is and we are exposed even more. That doesn't mean that we are, are put into despair. It means that we appreciate the Gospel even more. Because we don't know how sinful we really are. We don't realize how much God has redeemed us from. And when people don't love each other, whether it's in a marriage or in the church, the reason why they don't love each other is because they, are forget, they have forgotten how much they have been cleansed. They, for, they have forgotten what they deserved and what Christ has saved them from. Because if we realize what we have been saved from, we are not going to treat people poorly. Now in moments, maybe, but not, not consistently, not over the long term, our, our eyes would be open. So, God is able to keep you from stumbling, able to present you blameless before the presence of His glory. And ultimately, says God is able to save you, our only Savior. Look at verse 25. It says... To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Salvation is only through Jesus Christ. Salvation is only through Jesus Christ. Now, in a crowd at church, in a Baptist church on a Sunday night, that is not a new message. That Jesus Christ is our only Savior. And yet, 
we need to be reminded of it. Because there's so many things in our world that are trying to creep in and make us believe something different than that. Think about what Craig and Rachel said about raising children in, in, in this society. Do you know that the idea that Jesus Christ is the only Savior, the only Savior for sin in our society is repulsive to our world? It is repulsive. Believe it or not, that, that idea is even repulsive to some people who, have, who visit our church on a regular basis. They like the fact that Jesus saves. They like the fact that Jesus is a Savior. But they don't like that Jesus is the only Savior. Beloved, there is no hope. If you do not have Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, if He has not called you, He has not expressed His love for you, and He has not kept you, on that day, you will stand before God without the, the righteous robes of Christ, and you will stand fully exposed before God to pay rightly for the sins that you deserve. You will be cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Everybody who does not know that Jesus Christ is the one true and only Savior will perish. We can't stop saying that. We have to continue to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Share it graciously and gently, but we must share it passionately. Jesus Christ is the only Savior of the world. We need a mediator. We need someone to pay for our sins. We need God to provide the Lamb. And He does again and again. That's what happens when, when salvation happens. It's, it's another sinner sees that Jesus Christ has provided the Lamb for them, and they run to the Lamb. They run to the Lamb. They have that moment themselves. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God who takes away my sin. Just think about this. Now to Him who is able to keep me from stumbling and to present me blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. Think about my sin. What I have done to God. How I have ran my own hellbound race. And God saved me. Beloved, God does not, it is not, um, we don't deserve God's salvation. And yet He gives it. He gives it. He gives it. And the salvation that God gives is not just a, a beginning. It's a beginning. It's carrying all the way to the end. You will be kept because He is powerful enough to do so. No one is mightier than He and no one can snatch you from His hand. That is the kind of Savior that we have. A powerful and mighty Savior. And it is only that kind of Savior that gives that kind of salvation that you can say, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. Before all time, now and forevermore. That pretty much covers all eternity. Before all time, now and forever. That's why we sing God's praises. That's why we sing about His great glory. Well, let's pray. Father, You are so good to us. We thank You for saving us. We thank You for keeping us. Uh, we thank You that one day You'll present us before Your glory with great joy. 
Father, we thank you that you are our Father, and you are Father who is majestic, full of glory, who have dominion over all things. God, we pray that you would take all the glory, all the praise, all the honor in our life before all time, now, and forevermore. Let us live to the praise of your glorious grace. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.